In a recent podcast, the first in this series, we unpacked some of the themes around agriculture that have come into the spotlight globally as well as locally, considering our current context, a post-pandemic but conflict-ridden global economy. In South Africa, agriculture remains an important sector, which has contributed positive growth to GDP in two years where the trend was more down than up. Today, we welcome Daniel Rousseau, Functional Head of Agriculture and Relationship Channels at NetBank Agribusiness, as we dive into the areas where the bank sees potential for growth in the sector, specifically through the use of innovation and technology. Daniel, whether your clients have business in horticulture, animal production or field crops, or even if it's not necessarily in primary production, but rather in the value chain, Nedback Agribusiness says it aims to unlock opportunities. Now, from your position in this role, how have you seen the sector adopt technology to combat some of the challenges it faces, like climate change, or to increase productivity? Thank you, and always nice talking to you. Yeah, I think we're living in interesting times. Um, and when you talk about innovation and technology, you know, it can be driven from many or through many factors um, of one definitely, you know, is, is climate change. Um, and even if you look at the primary producer in themselves, you know, they're facing the challenges of the cost squeeze and economy of scale. Um, we see number of um, farming units, you know, getting bigger, but also the number of units getting less and less every year. Um, because of the challenges of economy of scale. And now I think what we don't talk about enough around technology and innovation is also the pressure that um, our consumer is starting to put on our farming community or the producers and even through the value chains themselves where they have very specific needs. Um, especially in terms of traceability. So when you talk about new innovations in technology, I think you must take that um, at the bank and also through the value chain, take that into account. You know, how we can improve traceability, how we can farm or produce more with less given climate change and the fact that South Africa is really a water-scarce country. We don't have high potential um, soil compared to even, you know, other sub-Saharan African countries. So we have to do more with this. And, you know, from a technology perspective, then you either adapt or you don't adapt. And it's not easy to adapt. We know that, especially from a management perspective. And, um, you know, the new technology is not necessarily cheap. So being able or be able to survive, our clients will need to adopt to this, but be very innovative in the way that they do it. And so, you know, if I can refer to one or two examples that, that we see, and you did to, um, refer to, to the tree crop industries as an example. You know, we've seen a number of new technologies um, being used to see stress in plants, as an example, and to to monitor stress through a specific season and also um, then being able to determine um, crop estimates, you know, with the use of drones and data um, analytics. Um, we see a lot of digitalization and software development for effective orchard uh, management, you know, with incorporating of local weather data, um, weather stations and local weather data, you know, to, to ensure more accurate crop estimates, just basically two examples that I can quickly um, use. 
So, I mean, climate smart farming is definitely a buzzword in the making, but what exactly does it entail? For example, many farmers have been driven towards renewable energy in the past year or so, but you could argue that the original impetus might have been ESCOM rather than climate change as a business risk. But what do you see as climate smart farming in the context of renewable energy? Yeah, when we talk about renewable energy itself, um, you know, we can talk about more biomass, we can talk about solar or even, um, you know, wind turbines. Unfortunately, not all farmers are, some of them get um, electricity directly from, uh, from ESCOM, from municipalities, and the reliability um, is not necessarily, you know, what it, what it needs to be. Now, unfortunately, not everybody can put surplus renewable energy back into the grid. So it's, it sometimes it becomes quite tricky, you know, to to look at um, renewable energy um, on farm level specifically. But I must say, I think the most renewable energy plants that we've seen in the last number of years is actually within the value chain, um, more on the processing side. And when we talk about uh, farm level, um, it is quite difficult at this stage to get up there in totality because especially uh, battery capacity and the price of batteries um, is not um, coming down as um, what we would have hoped for. So it is quite expensive. Um, so you need to make use of a combination then, you know, of, of renewable energy plus um, generators as an example. But, you know, what is the driving force behind that? I think at this stage um, it is more economical or economically because of just um, ESCOM not and the, the reliability issues that we see with ESCOM at this stage. It, uh, my personal opinion, you know, um, it is not necessarily on, on farm level to be climate smart at this stage, but it is more driven, you know, through ESCOM's inability to, to provide electricity uh, as what they um, basically should do. But very interestingly, again, I think what I've also said earlier is the drive from the consumer side, you know, looking at farming practices and renewable energy is very much the talking point, you know, with our consumers too, um, how you produce and, and what you use in your production cycle. So the more um, making use of renewable energy, becoming more climate smart with that, um, it is actually what the consumer wants as well. Do you have specific financial solutions tailored to renewable energy? Yes, um, we do. We, um, we actually embraced um, a number of our sustainable development goals and developed finance um, products um, within the specific um, goals. Um, at this stage, we're focusing, yes, on renewable energy. We're also focusing on, on soil health um, as well as water efficiencies. And with all three of those development goals that, we, that we're embracing you know, through finance products, I think the bottom line, what we try to do with all those three, is to to do it as cash flow neutral as possible, to make it as easy for our farmer or even you know processors to adopt to renewable energy, with a view that it shouldn't cost more than the savings that that they can get. So um, we try to do it as cash flow neutral, and then in the process, it, in practice, it means that we can also extend um, payment terms. We can, um, when we have normal loan terms of approximately six years, we can extend it from eight to ten years, taking into account the client's cash flow and um, try to do it as cash flow neutral um, as possible and as easy as possible, yes. 
Is robotics and farming and the automation of various functions and production still something new in South Africa or have you seen an increasing number of traditional agriculture companies or producers adopt automation in their processes? Yeah, it, again, it is quite interesting. I, mean, I think it, um, there's a difference between if you comparing the different industries to, to each other. I think the fruit industry, as an example, has perhaps adopted robotics but quicker than some of the, the other industries. Not to say that they're, that they're lagging. I think the fruit industry was just perhaps more suited, you know, for for robotics. Um, you know, one prime example I think I've referred to it earlier as well is that early detection system, you know, through the making use of drones and data analytics and a lot of algorithms to ensure those early detection, you know, of unproductive trees in specific orchards and looking for, um, you know, what type of, of problems there might be. You know, it can either be through growth or um, a lack of um, irrigation water. And that some of these um, data analytics companies also now have the ability to pick up. But I think the big benefit, you know, it's not only cost saving, but ensuring more equal um, production, you know, through your orchard. And then also, obviously, then the ability to to do um, crop estimates, um, you know, from a cash flow perspective and obviously from a profitability perspective, I think it helps quite a lot. Um, also, when it's being used by a processor and not just the, the farmer itself, you know, it can be quite beneficial in terms of market access too. Um, and then, you know, if you look at other implements um, in the grain industry, I think also I'm very quick now to, to adopt new technologies. Um, and um, robotics, but it, it's a lot more expensive. And when you talk about that, I think we need to talk about precision farming. You know, I think that's what it's all about now. Um, making use of um, GPSs, um, equipment that's self-driven, um, you know, through the use of, of GPS um, technology, being able to monitor on a much detailed level. Um, you know, um, if you look at production. And then even after that, you know, for, for the next year, you know, applying a fertilizers to that specific area um, that had lower yields than in the previous season. So I think we're still very much in the beginning of the fourth industrial revolution in South Africa, but with a lot of potential. And I think we will see exponential growth in the use of aerobotics within the next few years across all industries. I think one very good example, and that's not robotics, but when you talk about new technologies, it's what they're doing, doing in the dairy industry now. I think the dairy industry started with it and it's slowly now flowing to the other livestock industries as well. Just the whole concept, concept of genomics and just lifting the bar every year, you know, with its production cycle, getting better and better and better um, quality animals just um, through the use of genomics. It is quite expensive. But I think um, the benefits also there for all to see. So maybe, Danielle, just to wrap up, agriculture was and will most likely always be a sector where there is a lot of risk. And it's often from external factors where the farmer does not necessarily have any control, for example, the weather. But as a funder to the sector, yeah. what risk mitigation strategies can be utilized to address some of these risks? Yeah, I think... Um, first and foremost, um, you know, climate change 
I think is not only in the farming community, but even globally. You know, for me, it is one of the biggest risks. Um, and sometimes the inability to, to mitigate against um, climate risk. And from an economic perspective, majority of our farmers are price takers. They don't have any control necessarily about the, the price that they get for the product. But one thing that is within their control is their production practices. Now, I did mention that South Africa is a water scarce country. We don't have a lot of high potential um, soil or land. Um, so we have to produce more with less. And the only way that we can do that to mitigate the risk as best as possible. Now, what we see, um, you know, when we don't have a drought, we have a flat. I think that's the new norm, is just this um, volatility, what we see on, on, on the climate side. And then if you look at climate-smart agriculture in terms of regenerative agriculture and conservation farming practices, um, you know, protecting the soil is, is one example, especially in, in the dry land areas, to guard against erosion, the soil structure, you know, for, for water uptake and, and so forth. Um, for me, that is critical in um, what, can, what can be done and what needs to be done more in the dryland environment. If you look at um, more towards your irrigation, it's, you know, the use of the latest technologies in terms of um, irrigation equipment, moving away from flat irrigation, you know, to, to drip irrigation or to micro-irrigation. We know it's not always practical um, to do it, but I think the general trend is towards more efficient um, irrigation practices and systems. Um, we've seen it in, in the Western Cape a few years ago when we moved towards day zero. Um, you know, even highly profitable and um, knowledgeable farming, farming units, you know, even they adopted um, new technologies. Um, you know, it's not just to save water, uh, but also saving energy um, by making use of more efficient um, irrigation systems. Um, unreliable infrastructure, um, also, you know, a, a big problem, as I've said as well, you know, it, um, looking at new technologies, you know, it's not necessarily cheap. Uh, we know it's expensive, but you have to look at, um, you know, that cost benefit of adopting to, to new techniques um, to, to mitigate against risks. Thank you, Daniel. So, I mean, some of the points that you've highlighted is, first of all, big data is here to stay more and more also in the agriculture sector and our producers and farmers have to start using that. We will see more renewable energy projects on our farms and then robotics, drones and automation. But what I find very interesting and what is becoming clear is that consumers are becoming a driver for the change in farming practices demanding traceability or climate-friendly approaches. And that was Daniel Rousseau, Functional Head of Agriculture and Relationship Channels at NetBank Agribusiness.